Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. This is this year, man. That's David Olson. We're getting it done. Yes, some people call me Joel Redwanski like my mother. Other than that, everybody else calls me this year, man. I'm glad everybody is joining us. And uh, the introduction was promising, covering all the games that happened yesterday. Well, there weren't that many games that happened yesterday. One of them was extremely important, a blowout win for the Los Angeles Kings. But other things happened in the world of news yesterday. And if you were a Chicago Cubs fan Let's just, I'm going to say it a couple times because it's good to say it. Cubs win. Cubs win. Cubs win. Was it a game? No. But they won something, and we're going to get into that right away. Warren Buffett making news. Workout tips from this year, man. Uh, I also got a pretty fun story involving guns and athletes. That's always good. And uh, I have BVAX. My man BVAX, one of the finest rappers here in the city of Chicago, sold out shows almost every weekend. He's going to be on at 10:45. He's our basketball outsider, Brian Baxter, B Vax on at 10:45 to talk a little NBA Finals preview. But before that, we got all types of stuff to do. David Olson, let whoever gets paid for this guitar riff get paid. Welcome in, everybody, on this absolutely gorgeous, is today the 12th uh, of June? It's the 12th of June. It's a Tuesday, which is absolutely beautiful, Dave. At this point in my life, all I know is I work every single day. I don't know what the dates are. I am in one of the great parts of a summer for me is I'm working 11 consecutive days. And I'm not talking about this. I don't consider this work, folks. When I get to come on this partic- these particular airwaves, Talk Cubs, talk a little politics, talk fitness, talk uh, previewing any of the championships, whether it's uh, baseball, NCAA baseball, uh, basketball, hockey. It's absolutely, it's not work. Let's face it. Anybody who considers coming on airwaves and doing what you love work is absolutely crazy. But uh, for those of you who do not know, I'm a tour guide here in the city of Chicago via kayak. I get on the Chicago River. I show people our beautiful, beautiful city, and teach people our incredibly rich history. And uh, quite frankly, people are usually blown away by my tours. I, and I, I don't brag about everything that I do, but I am not kidding you. Waterriders.com. Tell them that you heard it here on the show, and I'll give you a free kayak tour. Check that out. 888-463-6748. You call up. You give David Olson your information if you're willing to talk some Cubs baseball with you. I'm going to give you, you and a friend, a free kayak tour to see the city of Chicago. It is absolutely spectacular, everybody. 888-463-6748. I gave you a little list of the stuff that we're going to go over today. We're not going to be going over NCAA baseball. Sorry to say, I've ain't, but I'm just saying, we, on this show, we typically touch on everything. Today, there, Yesterday, there wasn't a lot going on. Obviously, the, the Stanley Cups uh, concluded. So if you're a Cub fan, there was only four other, there was only four baseball games the Cubs weren't playing. So yesterday was a, a big day for a, for a Cub fan, even though there weren't any, uh, games for them. For the simple fact that 
the the Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer administration pulls off its biggest coup so far. Now they were able to to pry Anthony Rizzo away from the Padres uh, last offseason, but they gave away a flame throwing Andrew Kashner for him. So even though that was a huge addition. It's still up in the air because Andrew Kashner could end up being a dominant closer or even possibly a, a really, really good starter down the line. Don't forget he's, he's 23 years old. So, um, he's shown a, he's shown the fact that he's a major league pitcher. So that, that, that is still up in the air. And there's been a couple other additions. You got the Al Mora draft pick, uh, last week, the sixth overall pick. But yesterday the Cubs added a guy by the name of Jorge Soler. Okay. Not Solar, Solar or whatever, but S-O-L-E-R. Uh, a Cuban defector, a corner outfielder that's 20 years old, and and supposedly, David, this guy's really 20. Because if they come from anywhere besides Cuba, they doctor the stuff. But in, in, in Cuba, they want to make sure they keep track of all their citizens so they know exactly who how old this guy and, and who he is. So he legitimately is 20 years old. He's not like Greg Oden and was 37 when he was drafted by the Portland Trailblazers. Jorge Solar, now, is, is he going to be any good? I don't know. All the particular scouting reports on him just flat out say this. Next year in the draft, if if he was going to be available in the draft, he was going to be picked in the top five. So that's a good sign. Uh, but the reason why that the Cubs signed him this year was uh, right around like June 20th or so, June 29th, it's, it's near the end of this month, or maybe it's July 2nd, but it's coming up. Over the next couple of weeks, there's going to be a cap on how much you can pay a non-draftable player or a free agent player at and it's going to be 2.9 million dollars okay and the reason why they're doing this is uh there's players like Jorge Soler or Yunus Cepedes and there's a there's four other major Cuban defectors that are that are still out there and what ends up happening is these guys can say hey we're defecting and, and, and now we're free agents and they can make a huge jackpot well major league baseball kind of wants to put an end to that and they don't want to give the the Cubs, the Rangers, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Mets, the Dodgers the advantage. They have all the money, and then they can pretty much sign whatever prospect they want. And they also don't want some of these prospects to get away with a huge deal. So what they're doing now is if you, after, we'll just say July 2nd because I'm pretty sure it's in early July. Just say you want to defect from Cuba from now on. If you defect from Cuba, yeah, you can defect, and that's quite, that's quite all right. But you can no longer be a free agent. If you're from Japan and, and or Korea and you decide, you know what, I want to play Major League Baseball, I don't want to be in the Japanese leagues or whatever, you can't just say, hey, I'm a free agent, somebody come sign me. You actually have to go through the Major League draft. You get drafted now. So that does two things. One, these teams don't have to sign these massive bidding wars. It's no longer going to happen, okay? And also, you don't have teams risking as much money. I mean, it, it, it will... It will even it out. So let's just face it. Just say the Padres and the Yankees were one player away and it was both a closer. Well, the Padres and the Yankees get into a bidding war with a, a guy from Cuba that throws 100 miles an hour. And, you know, those aren't exactly rare because there's one on the Cincinnati Reds right now. You probably haven't seen him. He's in a car doing about 150. Okay, but what ends up what would end up happening is obviously the Yankees are going to be able to outbid the Padres uh, for this particular player. Well, that's not going to happen anymore. These guys, if you're like, hey, I'm defecting from Cuba, well, guess what? You're in next June's draft. You can't sit around and wait. Now, it'll probably be a little bit different when you're talking about, I'm not talking about Japanese people, 
I'm talking about actual people that played in Japanese major leagues. Then you have to go deal with uh, the particular teams. Those free agents like the Daisuke, Matsuzaka, the Yu Darvish, all that's going to remain relatively the same in sense of the teams own those guys. But if you're talking about players just being eligible, if they're not in a league already, you have to be drafted now. So what ends up happening is Jorge Soler ends up signing a reported, and, and this seems pretty strong from all the different reports, a nine-year, $30 million deal, which, you know, that's a heck of a lot of money. I don't care what anybody says. That's over $3 million a year. It's not my money. It's a heck of a lot of money. But uh, it ends up being a pretty smart move all the way around. They get a huge contract, well, by meaning that is Soler and, and his agent, without proving they can hit any major league uh, pitching before he's automatically would have been put into the draft if he didn't sign by July 2nd. And the Cubs put out $30 million. And to be quite honest, it's not that big of a risk. And, and what I'm saying, a $30 million is not a risk. I mean, it's easy for me to say, you know, I, I'm not the one spending the money. I am I am the one that has to spend $50 for a bleacher ticket, though. Okay. Or $75 for a seat that isn't behind a pole at, at Wrigley Field. So... I have no problem with them risking $30 million. But in the whole scheme of things, you know, what's a better signing? I have no idea if Jorge Solar can, uh, Solar could, uh, hit a curveball or do whatever, but nine years at $30 million doesn't seem like as big a risk as $136 million over eight years for Alfonso Soriano, who hasn't been able to play even bad defense in left field during his, uh, during his first six years here in the Chicago Cubs and has never hit with consistency or shown a brain. Yeah, I just said that he's never shown like he has actually has a brain as he plays baseball. So I think this is an absolute great signing for the Chicago Cubs. I really, really like it. And another thing I, I, I like about this, if you look at the Cubs major prospects throughout, uh, their organization, and there's a couple really, really good ones. Too bad these prospects aren't pitchers. All the Cubs prospects that you would say are legitimate prospects in terms of pitching are already on their roster. You can say, you know, well, Matt Garza could have a good five or six year run going forward. Uh, if they re-sign Dempster, he might have two or three good years after re-signing the, the free agent deal. Maybe Jeff Samarja's at the beginning of a, you know, blossoming career. But if you look at their minor league system people, Forget the forget the six, uh, like uh, first, second, third round draft picks that they had, supplemental draft picks that they used on pitchers this year after El Mora. There's nothing in their farm system. The Cubs' farm system is barren in terms of Triple A and Double A pitchers. Every other pitcher with any potential for major league uh, stardom is like rookie ball or single A for the Cubs. We're talking five, six, seven years down the road. Okay, they need pitching. Like I said, only Garza. And Samarja are in their system where you can say over the next three or four years will be any good on the major league level. Everybody else is just a crapshoot on that. Well, their, their position players are set up, guys. They have um, a junior lake in the future playing second base for the Chicago Cubs. Starlin Castro, if they, if they don't trade him, hopefully he'll continue to make progress in the field. Obviously, an Anthony Rizzo at first base, everybody's talking about him. Brett Jackson in center field, we'll see if he pans out. If he doesn't pan out, Maybe an El Mora kick will pan out. A Javier Baez uh, playing either third base or left field for the Cubs. He's a right-handed slugger. This guy is a pure hitter. He possibly could have been the number one overall pick last year. The reason why was people thought, oh, he's crazy. He, he's not a team player. 
well, the Cubs do a little investigation, and he's one of those fiery, crazy, hey, let's support the team guys. He's not like a fiery, crazy, there was an error at second base, I'm going to go uh, uh, strangle the second baseman, Carlos Zambrano, crazy. What I'm saying about this, the Cubs really have a lot of extremely high prospects in their minor league system in terms of hitting. They add Jorge Soler yesterday, and the good thing about him is he's a right-handed slugger. Rizzo is left-handed. Lahair, if he can play left field, if the Cubs don't move him, is a lefty. They have some left-handed power. Javier Baez is a right-handed hitter, but most other righties are more like line drive hitters. They needed a right-handed guy to really hit the ball in the ballpark. If this ends up panning out for the Cubs, they'll get lefty-righty balance, They'll get a young kid with a cannon for an arm, some speed, explosive with the bat, and Orhe Solar. And, and it, and it ends up just looking really, really good because obviously the Cubs are in rebuilding mode. And anytime a franchise as old as the Chicago Cubs, we're talking 1876, this is 2012, let's have 140 or 136 years worth of history. It's 137 season of Chicago Cubs. And if you're this deep and and someone's saying to you, hey, they might lose the most games in the history of the organization, did you? That's they're on pace to lose the most games ever, folks. You have to show some type of progress, and and you would be an idiot to say we need to make a move to win more games this year. Any move that tries to improve this team for this year in particular is moronic. Every single move this team should make this the rest of the season should be devoted to 2013 and beyond, okay? And they're doing that. I'm not saying they're not. They absolutely are doing all of this. So as a Cub fan, I see this signing, and I absolutely love it. It's uh, low risk because I'm not spending the $30 A right-handed power hitter, which they need in the organization to try to balance out some of the other power that they have. And it proves that this year that the Cubs aren't trying to do it the cheap way. A lot of times teams will rebuild. If you look at how, you know, the Marlins, they, they win their world championship every 10 years, and then they, as soon as they have to pay everybody, just fire them all, release them all, trade them, and then they go with the young guys and try to build up with youth again. And that's that's a great way to do it. You have to have that basis, that foundation of a lot of youth and good prospects. But when you can actually make a signing, spend some money on a guy that is a legitimate top five you know what, that says, you know what, we're willing to rebuild and we're willing to scout and spend money on these guys because they're going to spend uh, nine well, over the next nine years $30 million on uh, O'Hare Solar. I'm sure they're sure, I'm, I'm positive there's some major league bonuses and all that stuff in there because I'm, $30 million guaranteed, I would be surprised if there isn't escalators in there like, hey, we if I make it to the major leagues and I'm the rookie of the year or, or top five in the MVP, you're going to have to give me more money so I don't have to hold out. I will guarantee there's something like that in there which I'm sure the Cubs will be more than happy to pay if the kid pans out like that. Um, but the, the whole issue is when you're signing something like that, you cannot go on the cheap. Also, if they're spending $30 million, Dave, I, I, I can't imagine how much they spent on the scouting for this guy. I bet you it was, it's really like a $31 million deal. They had to spend a million dollars just on going back and forth, flying people out there, putting people up, watching him for weeks at a time. Do you know what I mean? Because let's face it, it's the only time Major League Baseball uh, players or Major League Baseball scouts get to scout Cuban players is when they're out of Cuba. And if they are scouting these guys in Cuba, 
they spent more than a million bucks scouting these guys while they were in Cuba. So I really, really like this. When I talk health and fitness on this show, there's many times I bring up the fact, and when I'm actually on the river, when I'm teaching people how to kayak, a couple things I say, well, when you're, when prevention is worth a lot more than the cure. You know what I mean? A dollar prevention is worth more than a million dollars worth of cure. Well, if you exercise, you eat right, and you do everything, you don't get sick. It's worth doing that. I'm not saying you'll never be sick, but you get sick a lot less often. If you are in a kayak and I teach you how to paddle properly, how to avoid running into each other, how to stop the kayak, you don't flip. And I would much rather learn how to not flip and then learn how to get back into the kayak. It's a lot easier not to flip. Well, with the Chicago Cubs, you invest money in scouting. You invest money in development. And then all of a sudden, you know who the better players are. You know, if the Cubs used to spend, you know, $2 million a year in player development, and then next thing you know, they have to go out and spend $136 million to sign a left fielder who can barely catch a fly ball, maybe if they invested more in scouting and development in the, in the, in the beginning, instead of $2 million, you know, five, eight, ten million, I'm not saying throw money at the issue. I am not saying that. I'm talking wisely and shrewdly say, let's invest in our development and our scouting of players. Guess what? All of a sudden you have a, a left fielder and a middle reliever and a, a fifth outfielder that can run and catch the ball. And you have a number one starter, or a number one starter, or a two and a two and a five. You know what I mean? The way it should be if you're trying to win a World Series. And guess what? Hey, we don't have to go sign some guy that swings at pitches in the dirt and is hurt half the season. But, hey, he'll go on a tear for a month where he'll hit 15 home runs in a month and he'll carry us, Alfonso Soriano. They won't have to do that. You know, they can actually say, hey, why risk $136 million? We can bring up this guy X from AAA. We know he's ready. We've scouted. We've invested money in development. We've invested time in development. This kid is ready. Hey, we're, he's going to get paid a million dollars a year. Oh, you know what? That seems a lot cheaper than 17. The, the Cubs are doing this right, people. And I know this is an extremely difficult year as the Cubs continue to lose two games for every one that they win. But quite honestly, none of us will care if the Cubs won 63 games this year, if they won 54 games, they won 73, if Next year, 2013, all of a sudden we're looking at a lineup that is vastly improved and actually we see light at the end of the tunnel. And all of a sudden in 2014, we look at this whole freaking NL uh, NL Central Division and you're like, man, the Reds are barren. The Cardinals are barren. The Astros have nothing. And quite honestly, Dave, if according to Baseball America, according to Baseball Prospectus, Especially baseball perspectives, watching their, their chief writer yesterday on Comcast Sportsnet and reading about it this morning. If you go to ComcastSportsnet.com, they talk about the actual ranking of the future of the NL Central. Let's just put it this way. If the top 20 players for 2015 in the NL Central of the top 20 players, 11 are projected to be Chicago Cubs. So, you know, and that's, who knows what that means? Like I said, it's projected. The Cubs have a chance to be a power in this division. Do not rush it. Do not give away pieces. Build on these pieces. And if the Cubs can legitimately dominate this division, oh, by the way, when I threw the Astros in there, the Astros will not be in the division in uh, 
in uh, 2015. That's unless Bud Selig again changes the format somehow, and who knows, maybe he'll just do away with the American League and National League. He seems to know more about baseball than anybody, and he changes it at his whim. So whatever, I'm going to sit here and bust on Bud Selig. But my point is, this year, the two this year, the 2012 season could still be a phenomenal year for the Chicago Cubs. And if you remember, uh, I jokingly, uh, at the beginning of this year, David, was saying, I, right now I'm hoping for 73 wins, but eventually I might be just hoping for 63. The magic number is 73. They lose 89 games, not 90. They win 63 games. You do the math. Obviously, they're not losing 100. They will lose 99. Well, now it looks like they're on pace for a 54-108 and 108 season. I would not like that. And I do want them to win 63 games. I'm going to cheer on the Cubs, and, and I'm going to hope that they get 63 wins. As a matter of fact, if they want to get 73 wins, they're going to have to play two games above 500 the rest of the way. I'm not going to hope for that. They still have an outside chance at 63-99. and 99. They have to play a lot better than they have this year. I'm going to root for that. But no matter what their record is at the end of this year, I'm not going to look at it and be like, oh, it was a disappointing season. I don't care. I don't care what the – oh, it's a, it was even worse than I thought. No, no. The only thing that I'm going to look at is what was their roster on the last day, the last game of the 2011 season, and what does their roster look like at the end, the last game of this year, and is it significantly improved and look like the future of the Chicago Cubs is bright? And if it is, that's how I'm going to judge this season. I said that at the beginning of the year, and I have not swayed. I have not wavered. I knew this team was going to be abs- they were going to absolutely suck. The fact that they're abysmal honestly does not shock me. It does irk me a little bit, but I'm not going to sit here and put Jim Hendry in the chokehold. I think I've beaten that man down enough. We have moved on. Let's make 2012 a great year for the Chicago Cubs. Or hey, Solar, hopefully you pan out. But I like the move. It makes a lot of sense. Chicago Cubs, you're absolutely getting it done. 888-463-6748. I'm done with my Cubs talk. If you want to come and join me, I'll be more than happy to answer any of your questions as we finish off the rest of the show. we still got about 37 minutes left, so it's 888-463-6748. You got something for me, Dave? I was just going to say click the OK there, so that will bring that screen up in there. Oh, OK. I'm not sure where the OK is. See where the password uh, entry is? Oh, yeah? Just click that because the password's already in there. Oh, log in. Yep, log in. Okay, so see, I'm not a very smart man, but I do follow directions. And David said hit the OK button, and it was just log in. And I'm not smart enough to figure out that log in was the button I should have hit. So that's what you got going for you here. 888-463-6748. I'm going to get into workout tips, going to uh, a little something, uh, an email going on about Warren Buffett, one of our greatest Americans. Believe that, folks. Whether you are poor, whether you're rich, someone who has done it the right way is Warren Buffett, and he's given back more than pretty much anybody I know. And this is like a guy that I truly, truly respect. I'm going to get to him in a little bit. Uh, but first, you got to touch on the L.A. Kings winning the Stanley Cup, and they've had a 45-year history. They finally won the, the the Stanley Cup, and they've had, you know, they've been bandwagon fans in L.A. But there's always 10,000 at their game. Sometimes they have 20. Sometimes they have 10. To those 10,000 L.A. King fans that have been going out for 45 years, congratulations. That is awesome. It's pretty cool when you think about the last couple years where the Stanley Cup has come from. It's basically like all major cities. It's like 
the NHL, I don't know if they, they do this on purpose. I don't know if it's like the NBA where they orchestrate foul calls to make sure they get the best possible matchup in the NBA Finals. Um, but it, L.A. Uh, gets to stand the Cup in 2012. Boston in 2011. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks in 2010. What I'm trying to say is you're, you're not hearing too many of the Columbus or the Nashvilles in those particular. I, I, I don't know if that's coincidence or uh, if there really is a little bit of uh, pushing or urging and officiating by the by the NHL. I don't know about that, but I do know this. Uh, the, the gritty Dustin Brown, the incredible Jonathan Quick, who was deservedly and unquestioned the MVP, the Conn Smythe uh, Trophy winner of the NHL playoffs. Those guys played some phenomenal hockey all the way. And uh, they lost two games in a row after being up 3-0 in the series. They come back home. And and let's face it, that's a must win. You're up 3-0. You lose on the road in New Jersey. Um, excuse me. You lose at home in, in, in Los Angeles. You go on the road, and, and you had won the most consecutive road playoff games in NHL history. And then you lose, and all of a sudden, whoa, whoa, whoa! It's it's we're up three two. We're going home, and if we don't win this game, it's tied, and it's an elimination game, and it's in New Jersey. I understand must win means if you lose, you're eliminated. And uh, my normal co-host, that's John Cohn, the coach, is not normal. My regular co-host, John Cohn. Uh, hates the fact that must wins are, are overused. And, and I'm going to have to agree with that, especially regular season, but that was a must win for the, for the LA Kings because they had all the momentum and all of a sudden they kind of lost it. They still have a chance to clinch at home, but if they would have lost that game to go back to New Jersey with New Jersey winning the last three and playing at home, they would have had all the momentum, folks. Well, LA would not be denied and they took advantage of an early lead. They kept piling on. They kept piling on. Next thing you know, they win six to one in an elimination game. And, you know, I, I, I think about this as a Los Angeles Kings fan. That had to have been awfully, awfully gratifying. Now, uh, I, I was, a, you know, I'm a diehard Chicago Bear fan. And, and I remember watching the Super Bowl. You know, the Bears are up. Uh, was it 37 10 late? Or uh, this is right before the, the interception returned by Reggie Phillips, and you just know the Bears are going to win. That was one of the most ecstatic feelings that I could ever have. We're basically watching a coronation of your team through the whole entire, you know, uh, middle of the third to the to the, through the whole fourth quarter. I mean, that was awesome. Um, and I, and I, I think about it, it was like the Chicago Bulls. They never went to a game seven in the finals. Uh, and but we've had different endings to games. If you're a Chicago Bulls fan, the way the '93 Finals ended was a Paxson three-point shot. But they were losing late, and they came back, and that was just absolutely unbelievable. In '92, it was um, it was uh, the the late rally in the fourth quarter when they passed the the Portland Trail Blazers. In '91, it was John Paxson hitting all those shots, and I remember. Like, my stomach was absolutely turning in all three of those games. It was difficult to watch, even though the Bulls had one more game to clinch the world the world championship. Well, when they won in 96, they were playing Seattle. That clinch a game wasn't even close. And I, and I, I do love the fact that, hey, what an incredible win at the end, the way the, the, the Hawks did, even though we, we didn't know that uh, Patrick Kane had actually scored. 
But in 96 on Father's Day, when the Bulls coasted to a win over the Seattle Supersonics and like the third and fourth quarter was just basically, hey, wherever you're at, party like a fool and, and let's, let's watch the, the Bulls get a championship. I think I like that a lot better <laughs> than how I felt for those, those other games. You know, in, in 97, you have Steve Kerr hitting the shot for the Bulls, uh, in 98. Well, I have to admit, that moment in 98 when Michael Jordan basically hits the walk-off winner, of course, Ron Harper had a block of John Stockton shot after. People forget that, that after Jordan hit the shot in Utah, uh, that uh, Ron Harper blocked a John Stockton shot that looked like it was going to go in, to, to be quite honest. Um, as an L.A. King fan, I, I don't know what they would want more, but I think it would be awfully cool to basically just watch a whole period of hockey, knowing that when this period's done, you're going to be left in the, the the Stanley Cup trophy. I do know this. As a Chicago Cub fan, I don't want a walk-off grand slam and the Cubs win by one. I don't need the freaking heart attack. I want the Cubs, when they finally win their World Series, four-game sweep and game four they win. I, I'm not kidding you, like 15 to nothing. I'm not just saying that so we can, we're a definitive World Series champion. During the Marlins series in 03, I was a freaking emotional wreck. I was an emotional wreck. Now, David, you're part of the Chicago uh, baseball rival. You're you're a White Sox fan. The White Sox swept in 05. And they had a they had two really close games in that World Series. If I do remember right, when Juan Uribe threw the ball to first base against the Astros, you guys were winning like 6 nothing or something like that. Like that game, the, I don't remember was that the the sweep game wasn't even close. Well, you guys I remember Kelly's next door to the tavern that I used to live at on the south side partying like from the fifth inning on, people literally dancing in the streets that day. Yeah, yeah. Game four wasn't even close. Now, yeah, wasn't is that close. you? Was that better for you? Or if you looking back, would it have been cool to watch like a, a Paul Konerko home run and then uh, and then whoever uh, Bobby Jenks closing it out in the ninth inning when you're biting your nails? I mean, what would have been? Yeah, better yeah. For it would have been a it would have been a much better experience. I mean, winning a championship is winning a championship. But yeah, a more exciting game is always is always better. Okay. It's always better. It, it might be better, but I don't want that as a Chicago Cup fan. I want a sweep, a 15 nothing victory, and I, 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 that's exactly what I don't know if I'd be able to withstand, you know, runner at second and third, Starlin Castro steps in, Cubs are down one, looking for their first world championship since 1908. Oh, that's, he fouls it off. He's in an 0-2 count. Cubs down to their last strike. I don't want to deal with that. I will tear my freaking eyeballs out. Okay. And I can only see out of one of them. So I'll probably, you know, I tear out the wrong one anyway. So congratulations to the LA King organization, Daryl Sutter, Jonathan Quitcon Smythe, uh, MVP, Dustin Brown, Kopitar, all these guys that played absolutely phenomenal. You guys were the, the preseason, uh, like, uh, cool pick. Hey, look at all the talent the Kings have plus Jonathan Quick. And then you suck during the regular season. Late in the regular season, you turn it on, you get that A seed, and you play phenomenal. And it just goes to show that in hockey, it's how you finish, okay? And home ice doesn't mean that much in hockey for some reason. It used to. Over the last 10 years, it means nothing. In the last three, it's absolutely ridiculous how uh, how much less uh, that home ice actually means. Uh, but congratulations. And, and to those L.A. King fans, not the 20,000 that were out there, but to the to 10 to 12,000 who had season tickets and have continually, perennially showed up even before Wayne Gretzky was traded there from the, the Edmonton Oilers, a serious con- congratulations because uh, to me it's always about the fan, and, and I, 
I usually root for teams based on a couple of things. Who the owner is and if the fan base actually supports their team. And if the fan base supports their team and they're like long-suffering fans, I will definitely tip my hat to that, those those fans in, in those teams. So uh, congratulations, L.A. Kings. Hmm. All right. Well, the, the L.A. Kings had been in good shape. You know, I, 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 I watched them skate this year. They had fresh legs all year long. They were the freshest team at the end. They end up winning. Now, uh, I started a, I started a blog. It's about the Cubs and it's also about workout and fitness. It's thisyearman.com. And I'm not just sitting here to pat myself on the back. I'm in really, really good shape for a, for a 39 year old. And quite frankly, I do things that are a lot opposite of what anybody else will do in order to, Hey, I'm going to get in shape and I'm not trying to get jack and huge. All I'm trying to do is be as healthy as I possibly can. And have my body fat as low as I possibly can. That, that's truly, that's truly what I do. And I do things that most people don't get. I'll, I'll list a couple, but this isn't what I'm touching on. I eat as much fat as I possibly can. And people, what? What are you talking about? I'm trying to burn fat. Well, every morning I eat a lot of fat. I drink whole milk instead of skim. I eat nothing that says fat free. I eat nothing that says sugar free. I eat a balanced Diet in terms of calories, proteins, carbohydrates, fat. I cut nothing out. I try to limit my sugar, uh, and I try not to get any high fructose corn syrup or any of that. I don't care if people say it, it it's, it's proven it's not bad for you. Then how come we're the only country in the world that eats high fructose corn syrup? And what I, I'm pretty sure it's 85% of all type 2 diabetes on the planet comes from the United States of America. Hmm. Type 2 diabetes, directly correlated to too much sugar, high fructose corn syrup, and everything. You do the math, people, okay? But uh, I, I eat naturally. I don't eat anything that says diet. I don't eat any pills that say, oh, we're fat burners. What I do is I eat. I have an extremely active lifestyle. I prepare my own meals, and I, and I work out about – I work out five days a week, and I work out about an hour a day. I warm up. I exercise. I stretch. And then I eat afterwards. But one thing I never do is I, I, I don't ever limit what I eat. But I'm talking about it in terms of workouts. Now, one of the myths that about workout, about working out, is you have to exercise for 20 minutes before you start burning fat. Actually, that is true. If you go out right now and you've, you're eating normal, mind you, eating normally, you go out and you decide to run, and you, I'm just going to run. Well, it takes about 20 minutes for you to burn the sugar out of your muscles, and then you'll start burning fat, okay? Well, what, what ends up happening is you, by the time someone runs for 20 minutes, most of us can't run for tw- like extra to get into that fat-burning mode, okay? Uh, quite honestly, the best way to burn fat is you do some type of resistance training beforehand, and then you do your cardio afterwards. So if you're a workout person and you want to burn fat, you're better to do your cardio at the end. What you do is you exercise, you, you do your lifting, you burn the sugar out of your muscles, and when you do your lifting, you're actually, you haven't done your, your running or your cardio before, and you're actually stronger. So two things happen. One, it's safer. You're not tired. You're, you're going to be stronger. You're more likely to lift properly. And number two, since you're stronger, you can lift a little bit more. You can lift a little bit longer. And I'm not trying to say get bulked up, people. There's ways to exercise and lift where you lean your body out, you harden it up, you raise your metabolism. And trust me, 
High metabolisms are good. I eat about 4,000 calories a day. I need an extremely high metabolism. Okay, so that that's one of those myths that I want to talk about. Yes, you do have to exercise for 20 minutes if you're doing cardio to burn fat. But if you want to burn fat, do resistance training before your cardio. Next thing you know, you start doing your resistance training. What happens is there's sugar all in your body, in your muscles. You eat something, you eat sugar, it'll go directly to your muscles. If it's not used in about four hours, it turns to fat. You eat something, and if you, you eat a bunch of food and you don't eat sugar that day, well, if you eat any starches or carbohydrates, if you haven't eaten fruits or if you haven't eaten any candy, those carbohydrates will be broken down into sugars and they'll be put into your muscles. If you don't twitch them, if you don't use them out, they'll turn to fat. So what ends up happening is when you work out, you go and you lift, you do some resistance training, and like I said, even women, men, if you want to be as lean and as skinny as possible, you can lift and do it in a way where it leans you out. You burn the you burn the sugar out of your muscles. And then what ends up happening is when you do your cardio after that, you're already in fat-burning mode. You've burned all the sugar out of your muscles. Your body has to get its energy for somewhere. You know where it gets it from? It gets it from the fat that's on your body, okay? And, it, folks, I've gone – when I started working out five years ago, my body fat percentage was 33%, David. I was soft. I had no energy. I drank skim milk. I would drink diet products. My skin was nasty. Okay. Well, I'll, you know what? After that is, I'm just going to do all whole foods. Just And I got all high fructose corn syrup out of my system. And then I started exercising. And it was immediate. Boom. I just started shedding weight. I, I had more energy. I'm extru- I'm ne- I shouldn't say I'm never sick. But since I've been doing this since 2000 and, end of 2006, I've been sick twice. Twice. And both times, all my roommates were sick, and that's how I got it living. You know what I mean? I, and it was, it was eventually going to happen. So if you're out there and you, and you want to get healthy, uh, I, just wanna, I just want you to try to unlearn what you have learned. Don't use diet products. Don't use fat burners. Don't eat sugar-free stuff. Sugar-free means this. They've injected it with chemical sweeteners. Chemical sweeteners mess up your metabolism. They cause cancer. And like I said, they mess up your metabolism. In some weird way, your body won't be functioning the, properly. You won't burn as many calories. If it's something that says fat-free, hey, we have fat-free yogurt. Go look at the fat-free yogurt next to the regular yogurt. Fat-free yogurt will have 38 grams of sugar in it. The regular yogurt with the fat in it, and by the way, yogurt fats taste freaking delicious, Okay. It'll have like 10 grams of sugar in it. They got, it has to taste good, folks. And trust me, the, the, it's going to be the same amount of calories. If you look, it'll be the same amount of calories. You would much rather get your calories from dairy fat than sugar. And if you're like, you're crazy, you don't want fat in your diet. There are certain fats that if you eat and you exercise, you burn fat. And one of those is dairy fat. So if you're out there and you want to get uh, healthy, you want to burn fat, don't use diet products. There's, there's, uh, the dairy fat, just like the fat in whole milk is water soluble. You drink it, it goes into your system, it breaks down into your system. Your body will use that for energy. So now your body is using fat for your energy. Well, your body now is in a fat burning mode. And as soon as it runs out, guess where it'll continue, guess what it'll continue to do? It'll continue to burn the fat off your system. So if you want to cut weight, and you're, and, and just another thing, just to throw this in there, this, I kind of have to attach everything. The way uh, your body works is when you eat in the morning, your body realizes, oh, okay, 
oh, you ate a bunch of fat. Oh, guess what? Since we're getting fat in, we can burn fat in order to make you go. If you're one of those people, like, I'm, I'm going to lose fat, so I'm not going to eat any fat. So you eat nothing but protein and carbs all day, like tuna and rice, okay? Or a chicken sandwich with no cheese on some whole wheat bread. You know, you start eating that way, your body is like, hey, we're not intaking fat, so we cannot burn the fat on our body. Your body's incredible, the way it knows. Whenever it releases, when you when your body goes in, when you eat food, your body automatically releases the type of enzyme that it needs to break down that food. There's different enzymes that break down your carbs, your proteins, and your fats, okay? Well, if your body doesn't have any fat and it doesn't release those enzymes, and if your body doesn't release those enzymes, it knows not to burn the fat on your body, Okay? So, yes, you're not increasing fat, and you might not be adding fat, but the truth of the matter is you're not burning it. So if you want to burn fat, you're, you're, uh, you should have 30% of your calories coming from fat, okay? And it, this is absolutely true. So if you want to burn fat, eat fat in the morning before your whole day. And next thing you'll know, your body knows it can burn fat, and you will continue to, to shred it off. So if I'm, just, if I'm here, I just want to remind people, if you want to burn fat, do cardio after you do your strength training, and don't be afraid to eat fat and eat natural foods. It will not kill you. In the long run, a couple of things will happen. One, you'll have better taste in food, and second, you'll be much happier, much happier. What's up, David? So this year, man, I have a little thing of uh, Greek yogurt back in the fridge. Yes. And I was going to eat that for an afternoon snack. Mm-hmm. Is that bad tea to the afternoon snack? Should I have eaten that as the morning snack? Uh, just to let you know, you should have less calories as you go on throughout the day. The fact that you work out in the morning, before, you, uh, David, you're a father, okay? You work here, you're all over the place. You have an extremely hectic lifestyle. And quite honestly, I really think you should eat before you work out, but then you'd have to wake up at 3 in the morning. You have to fit your schedule around what you have. So you can't do everything exactly perfect unless you unless you want to go to bed at 5 o'clock p.m. Really, that's kind of where, where the situation you're at. So we we would have to tailor a diet after you. If you lift weights, your metabolism is so high, okay, it increases your metabolism. And and, and you go through a little phase. You go through phases where you want to put some bulk on. I mean, you, you, your arms are in the top one percent for muscle mass on the planet right now. You got some. You're jacked, David. When you lift like that, you can pretty much eat whatever you want to. Okay, uh, ideally, you would eat before breakfast. I mean, you'd eat before, you would eat breakfast, wait about an hour and a half, do your workout, and then have a huge meal at lunch. Your biggest meal should be lunch, folks. Second biggest meal is breakfast. Your third largest meal should be your dinner. And then, you know, eat in between. If you're talking about a snack in the middle of the day, that is absolutely perfect because yogurt is almost a balanced food. It's got protein in it. It's got lactose as the sugar, as a carbohydrate, and it's got uh, dairy fat. And it's almost the perfect, like, 35, 35, 30 in sense of... Right, right. And it's the Greek yogurt, so the the protein content is extra high. So uh -huh. it's like 15 grams of protein. Yes. That's incredible. So, yeah, that's absolutely good. And the key to the fact is this. David would have every excuse in the world to say, I'm too busy to actually exercise. But you know what? If, if David didn't exercise, then he'd be dying 10 years younger than he should have. He'd be laying on his deathbed saying, you know what? I had a lot of time to exercise, and it's too bad I don't have enough time in the future to prolong my life. So if you're out there with not enough time 
Think about 20, 30, 40 years from now when you have a significant risk of heart disease and cancer. I didn't have the time. I made the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, just, let's just put that out there. I wake up at 4.30 in the morning so I can work out every day. Mm-hmm. I work out for two hours first thing in the morning mm-hmm. every day. Now, I don't want to scare anybody away. You are dead set on being healthy and being there for your kids forever. You don't have to work out for two hours, people. You can do that. You can do everything you need in an hour. You are extremely healthy. You know, you are. The, yeah, no, you know, no, no, no. You know I, took, I, mean? I, t- I took that extra step because I, I had a significant amount of weight to lose, mm-hmm. which I lost, and now I'm just moving forward, making the best me I can make. Yeah, that's that. that I'm with you, and, uh, and and if you're having trouble like exercising or getting out there, go find a friend of yours. Okay, find a friend of yours that is actually uh, that would help you out. And, and what I'm doing now is I'm participating in sports leagues. That has been really, really good for me uh, over the last couple of years, uh, last couple of weeks. Actually, going out and exercising and playing basketball, it has definitely helped me in terms of getting back in shape, David. So uh, that has been a, a, a real big key for me. So eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. Before we get uh, BVAX on and talk a little NBA Finals, I just want to talk real quick about a, an email that was going around, and I, I absolutely love it. Warren Buffett, my guy, was on CNBC last night, and he offered a, a or two nights ago, and he offered a um, a great quote about how to to figure out the debt ceiling here in the in the United States. And he said, um, "You can end the deficit in five minutes," is what Warren Buffett said on CNBC. Here, he also adds. You just pass a law that says that anytime there is a deficit of more than 3% of gross domestic product, all sitting members of Congress are ineligible for re-election. I like this. So basically, they can't spend our money, and I'm, and I mean on, on everything, whether it's corporate bailouts, Vacations for these people. Every if you're on the if you listen to this program, you know how I how I get about all this. Okay, uh, the 26th Amendment granting the right to vote for 18 years old, 18 year olds only took three months and eight days to be ratified. Okay, think about that. And and I think we would all have to agree that maybe an 18 year old does not have the whole sensibilities as maybe a 28 or a 48 year old in terms of what's going on in the world. But, David, last time I checked, 18-year-olds were sent overseas to get shot at and die for our country, right? They they have the right to vote then. As far as if we can send them to Afghanistan and Iraq and they can get shot at, then 18-year-olds have should have the right to vote. It makes sense. Uh, the people demanded it. Okay, that was in 1971. If I remember in 1971, the only people that had computers were Nassau and the U.S. government and about 0.1% of the richest people in the world, Okay. Nobody had computers back in 1971, yet it took three months for this to be ratified. Okay, so I really like that. Of the 27th Amendments in the Constitution, seven took one or less years to become law by the land because of the public pressure. Most of the amendments in our Constitution were pre-social media. Okay, Warren Buffett is asking uh, each addressee of this particular email, and you can contact me at this year man at yahoo.com, and I will send you this email if you want it, okay? 
he's contacted everybody to send this email that he has out to uh, at least 20 different people. Okay, And here is what he wants in the Congressional Reform Act of 2012. And that's it. Uh, no tenure, no pension. Okay. Why should these guys get a tenure or a pension? Okay. It, and then again, I, you know, I, I see this and I'm a little, little worried, a little iffy because I don't have any problem with these guys getting paid if they're doing the right thing, David, really, because we're talking trillion dollar deficits. I don't care about a hundred thousand. And to be honest with you, I'd rather have a senator paid by the United States people, honestly, then, oh, I'm going to get paid by Johnson & Johnson under the table. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I well exactly. No, when they're in the office, they deserve to be paid for it because mm-hmm. it's a full-time job. However, when they leave office, there, there's no reason for... The uh, millions uh, it costs. Yeah, yeah the elect, these, these at this level, to have a pension. There's mm-hmm. no reason for it because uh-huh. they're going to go and they're going to make their millions elsewhere. They're going to parlay this into bigger and better things. Yeah, and that, exactly. Yeah, there's there's no reason to have all that. And you're talking about a hundred people, or oh, Congress. That's five hundred and twenty three people right now. Isn't that isn't that what is four twenty three in the in the house? I thought it was four thirty five. You're you're probably yeah you're right yeah you're right that sounds right. Four twenty three was like when I was in second grade and learned it the first time. So we're talking five hundred thirty plus members of Congress, Senate and the House. So that's awful lot. Number two. Uh, Congress passed President Fuser participates in Social Security. How about that? You, why should all of U.S. citizens' retirements and Social Security be tied up in Social Security, but not Congress? Huh? How come they're exempt? Their money goes into a different, their retirement money goes into a different pool than ours? Okay. The, the, think about that. Number, uh, Number four, all funds in con- uh, Congressional Retirement Fund move to Social Security system immediately. All future funds flow into the Social Security system, and Congress participates with the American people. It may not be used for any other purpose. So the point is this, Social Security has been used to bail out anything else. I am not uh, – the Social Security to me hopefully will be a way for me to uh, spend money on vacation when I'm 70 because I am not expecting it to pay for my mortgage or my medical bills or my retirement. That I am not expecting whatsoever. But, hey, if it's still around, I'd freaking love it. That'd be awful nice. Number five, Congress can purchase their own retirement plan, just as all Americans do. I have no problem with that. Yeah, I I want these guys to be extremely successful and good, honest American citizens. I I don't want them to be punished. Number six, Congress will no longer vote themselves a pay raise. By the way, uh, let Coach know I'm, I'm, I'm getting a pay raise. Let him know that, okay? Cause I, cause I'm a, I've decided I'm a congressman now and I can choose what I get to make, okay? Number seven, Congress loses their health care system and participates in the same health care system as the American people. If they want to push a health care system on us, then guess what? They belong to it too. If they want to give us a, a health care system that is not right for every single American, cause trust me, if, if you're healthy and you're doing the right things, you're paying way too much. And if you're not, you're getting, you're totally taking advantage of the system. Well, something tells me congressmen probably are eating better than the typical American and probably have better access to, to health care and like fitness than the average American does. So they were like, why should we have to pay like everybody else does? Well, guess what? You should. You're the ones who set this up. Number eight, Congress must equally abide by all laws they impose on the American people. Hmm. 
kind of funny that Congress is exempt from some of these, like the, the whole Patriot Act laws, because they have a right to privacy, but somehow David Olson, Joel Redwanski, and you, the American uh, people, have to uh, abide by these same laws. You know what? Uh, I definitely don't agree with some of these laws. I don't think any of them should. But if you're going to pass them, you should be the ones following them also. Okay. Number nine. All contracts with past and present congressmen, congresswomen are void effective December 1st, 2012. The American people did not make this contract with the Congress men and women. And that makes sense. You can say, well, this contract's in, we can't, we have to live up to it. Well, the American people didn't make these contracts. The previous congressmen laid out, laid it out like this. So they basically have some of the best jobs in the world. Okay. Congress made these contracts for themselves. Serving in Congress is an honor, not a career. The founding fathers envisioned, envisioned civil leg, uh, citizen legislators, so ours, so ours should serve theirs and then go home and go back to work. If each person sends this uh, email out to 20 other persons, everybody in America will see it that has an email account. I, I truly, truly believe in this. Congress has been taking advantage uh, Democrats, Republicans, independent, they've all been taking advantage of the American public for too long. And it seems like every single year they become more powerful and it's harder to stop. I, I think it's time we get back to accountability in our, in our government. And if you're going to pass a law, then you should have to abide by it also. I think it's an extremely easy, uh, way to look at it. Yeah. Unfor- unfortunately for that to become law, it's got to go through the very people that it would impact. And, you know, you're, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. But what if everybody was voted out? Okay, here's what happens. Everybody gets voted out. You get a whole new Congress. That whole new Congress would have to live up to their campaign promises of, yes, we are giving Congress back to the people we represent. You know, so, and, and honestly, maybe if it was a whole, like, legitimately 85% of Congress gets voted out, then there, we probably would have a much better chance of the people voted in being like, okay, we have to live up to what we say. It's not like one person. You know, one congressman's being like, I'm going to fight for X for our state. And then they get in and then they realize, oh, I can't vote for X on this state because of so. And then you're like, oh, okay, another guy that didn't live up to it. But if it's a wide-sweeping national outcry for this, and we actually, we, the American people, vote these jokesters out, then maybe something will be done about it. Honestly, that's isn't that isn't that like our, our only chance? Is it that crazy to say we actually could do this as an American people? Yeah, it is. Uh, unfortunately, because the, the people that are just so ingrained in the system, and I mean, I I agree with you one hundred percent. Some of these career people, you need to get them out of Washington. Mm-hmm. You need to get fresh ideas in there. You can't have the same old, same old, or else there's going to be no progress. Mm-hmm. There's, there's going to be zero progress. Absolutely. So, I mean, the, you know, the main thing, and there's term limits on these guys. I mean, you shouldn't be able to serve more than two terms in the Senate, more than three in the House of Representatives. Mm-hmm. If you do it that way, that would be, that'd be 18 years total you could serve in Congress. That's more than enough time. You know, you serve your time in the House of Representatives, then you run for higher office, which would be the Senate. You, you end up getting, you know, the maximum amount of terms in the House, maximum in the Senate. That's 18 years. You've done your service to your country. Get the hell out and let somebody else get in there. Yeah, and, and you know, this is crazy. I, I was talking to a friend of mine, okay, and his cousin is trying to run for political office, okay, and his whole goal, so, like, when I, when I was talking to my, my friend's cousin, 
It's like, oh, would you like to be a, a, like a governor? Blah blah. He's like, no, 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 no. Got to be a, a senator. He's like, my whole goal is to be a senator. Senators have so much more power than a governor. I'm like, well, there's there's two senators in each state, and there's only one governor. He's like, we're talking United States government funds as opposed to funds in one particular state. Like, legitimately, senators, it's a more prestigious and more powerful position than the head guy in a state. You're, senators are different than House representative guys they, because there's so much more power in the in the Senate than the House per individual, not per actual branch excuse not branch but a part you know house or congress uh but individually they have so much more power than actual governor and it's all simple fact that you know you can get one senator saying hey we really need you to vote this way and we'll give anything that you want where governors have to be more accountable and they are actually like they they point the finger at it where senators can be manipulative and figure out ways to better themselves and still get reelected where Governors don't have that option. They have just the facts. Hey, this is how our state's going, and this is how it went. And you know how our show went? We talked Cubs, health and fitness, Congress, and uh, my buddy Bvax is actually with his father right now, who is kind of sick. We're worried about his health and fitness, so NBA Finals Talk will be on Thursday. Thank you, everybody, for joining Two Guys and a Mic. This is this year man, David Olson. Thank you very much. The coach, John Cohn, is on a sabbatical. He's at home right now in bed taking care of business. See you tomorrow, everybody.